Listen to more episodes of this podcast earlier than everybody else and ad-free when you sign up for Nebula, the creator-owned streaming service that's audience-supported, featuring more than 130 top-tier educational creators focusing on making content for you and not for an algorithm. Sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe to support the podcast and get more eye-opening content. This video is supported by Brilliant. So I really don't share my opinion on this channel very often. Um, some of you may disagree with that statement. I know sometimes I say things that people don't like. Uh, I used to be a lot more opinionated on the channel than I used to be, but I also, uh, you know, used to have a whole lot less gray hair. So things change. Generally, I use this channel to share things that I think are interesting. And what I think are interesting are topics that have multiple valid points of view, you know, where maybe you, you think you got it figured out and then, woo, curveball, there's a whole other side to it that you hadn't considered before, you know. I like to, I like to present the conversation around these topics. I just generally find that more interesting than me just sharing my opinion on something. And often my opinion varies, you know. I have multiple, I call them multiple gnomes in my head that are always like competing for, for attention. But I've had some thoughts rolling around in my head lately. Something's kind of been bothering me and I wanted to kind of talk about it, share my opinion on this, opinionate a little bit, which I know is a little bit different for this channel. Hopefully you like it. Uh, and if you don't, you know, just, just feel free to say. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Which would be true because this is just my opinion. Last week, we saw the Inspiration4 mission go up, which is being called the first all-civilian trip to space ever. Though, I I'm not sure. I think there seems to be some debate around it, because one of them used to be Air Force or something, and they all did the astronaut training and everything, so uh, there there's some debate around it. But uh, anyway, that was, that was kind of the point of the whole mission, that it was an all-civilian crew. And there were some really interesting facts around this trip. Um, as Scott Manley pointed out, this was the most number of people that have ever been in space at the same time, I think uh, 16 while they were up there, and on three different uh, vehicles, on the ISS, the Chinese Space Station, and the Crew Dragon. But they also, and I, I went on a rabbit hole on this on Twitter, but uh, this is one of the highest altitude flights that have been taken ever. Like there's only a handful of flights that have gone higher than what these guys have done. Uh, it's higher than ISS, it's higher than Hubble. Um, there was some debate around the specifics and everything. Obviously I'm not counting the lunar missions, but yeah, these guys are flying higher than most astronauts that have ever been into space. Inspiration4, of course, was funded by Jared Isaacson, the billionaire entrepreneur behind Shift4 Payments. Um, he likes the number four, apparently. But anyway, he funded the flight and he invited on a crew of uh, inspirational civilians to join him, and he used it as an opportunity to raise some money for St. Jude Children's Hospital, obviously a worthy cause. And uh, one of the people on there was previously a patient at St. Jude's Children's Hospital, uh, Haley Arsenault. And uh, I think she's also a nurse's assistant that works there and volunteers her time there. She was also the first person to go to space with a prosthesis, which is interesting. And if I'm not mistaken, she's now officially the youngest American to ever go to space. So yeah, a lot of cool stuff around that flight. And I'll be honest, a lot of stuff about this trip snuck up on me. Um, I mean, I knew it was coming, obviously, I knew that it was happening, but all that sort of interesting information was, was new to me. But I was keeping an eye on it for one specific reason, and that's because something happened a couple months before that that kind of surprised me, or the reaction to it really surprised me. Yeah, as many of you remember, I'm sure, in the span of 10 days, Virgin Galactic and uh, Blue Origin both did their first crewed missions into space, uh, carrying with them their CEOs, Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos, respectively. And yes, I'm putting space in quotes because there's a lot of debate around whether or not they were actually in space and one of them went higher than the other. Do I feel like getting into that? No, I do not. But yeah, the, the public's reaction to this 
really took me by surprise. And honestly, I feel, I feel a little naive that I was so surprised by this, that it took me by surprise so much because, I mean, maybe I'm just in a little bit of a bubble as a science communicator, because I've been following these companies for a really long time. I've been seeing them testing all this time, and I knew that this was coming, and to me, it was just a natural progression of what they've been doing for years now. In fact, if anything, I don't know why it took them so long to do it. I mean, Blue Origin did like 14 tests before they finally put some people on it. And, and me, and I know a lot of other people are like, are you guys gonna actually do something or not? So I knew their first human flight was coming up and uh, you know, I was, I was happy for it, I was ready for it. And then they announced that Jeff Bezos was gonna actually be on the flight. And I remember I actually texted uh, my buddy Tim Dodd and, and said like, that's very Richard Branson of him. And then Richard Branson swooped in and did it first because nobody out Branson's the Branson. And yeah, I know, I tweeted that out at the time. It's, 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 it's a decent enough line, I'll repeat it. I don't care, I'll steal for myself. And because of that timing, the two of them going up at about the same time, the media was just flooded with a deluge of op-eds and hot takes and articles and millions of people who had never heard of these companies before in their lives were hearing about how these, these billionaires were going up into space and flaunting their wealth while you know billions of people on earth are suffering. And some of these people were other creators that I respect a great deal and you know agree with on most things. It was it was weird. It was like there was this divide that I didn't know was there. And again, I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe maybe I'm in a bubble. And I mean, I get it. We're all going through a rough time right now, unprecedented times and all that. And wealth inequality has become just absolutely absurd. Um, the world is definitely in a eat the rich phase. So yeah, you know, not exactly reading the room, fellas. Do you want guillotines? Because that's how you get guillotines. But at the risk of sounding like I'm defending billionaires, which is not my job, <laughs> um, I don't think that characterization is fair. Actually, who cares about fair? It's inaccurate. Because first of all, this wasn't just like trips these guys took on a whim. These were projects that these companies have been working on for a very long time. In fact, it's kind of funny that these guys had their milestones so close to each other because like Virgin Galactic got started in 2004 when they bought the design from Scale Composites. Blue Origin got started in the year 2000. So these launches were 17 years and 21 years in the making, respectively. And, um, you know, they've been testing with uncrewed vehicles for a long time now. Again, nobody cared about that. Nobody paid any attention to it. And all of us space nerds knew that they were going to be launching with their first crewed missions soon. And, uh... If they had just done that, let's just be honest, nobody would have cared about that either. So yeah, putting themselves on the ship was a publicity stunt. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. Uh, or if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, you could say that they were proving the safety of it by putting themselves on it. But either way, it was a stunt. And guess what? It worked. Because now there are millions of people out there that know that this thing exists that they didn't know it existed before, even if they're furious about it. Now, if you want to criticize the way they did it, the bombast on the celebrations, I, I get it. Yeah, it was, it, it, was, it was all a bit much. I know. Although, I gotta be fair, if I'd been working on something for 20 years and it finally happened, I would probably celebrate a little bit too. And I also feel like Bezos did everything he could to soften the event, um, for lack of a better word. I mean, he gave a seat to Wally Funk. Now, you might not know who that is. I didn't really know who, who that was at first, but she's actually kind of a legend in the aviation and aerospace industry. Um, she would have been one of the first astronauts if it weren't for NASA's no vagina policy. So for the record, there was a group of women called the Mercury 13 who kind of trained right alongside the Mercury 7, but they never got to actually go into space. Um, the Russians put their first woman into space in 1963. The Americans wouldn't do it till 1983. So yeah, none of those original 13 female astronauts ever got to go into space until Jeff Bezos put Wally Funk on that rocket. I mean, look, hate Jeff Bezos all you want, but that's cool. 
He also gave away $200 million to charity after that flight. Now, uh, I mean, yeah, granted, that's like you or I spending half a penny, but still, I think it's his face. That super villain face, he needs a new face. By the way, I, I just, I gotta get this off my chest real quick. All of you people out there making your silly little jokes about how New Shepard looks like a penis, look, dude. Welcome, we space nerds been doing that for years now. It's a lot of fun, hope you enjoy it. Johnson. Yes, sir. So it's not just a billionaire launching himself into space. That's not all this was about. In fact, Blue Origin has already launched another uncrewed uh, New Shepard mission with NASA science experiments on board. So are we gonna have a problem with that? The NASA science stuff? Okay, so before people accuse me of stroking Blue Origin too hard, I do have a, a little bit of tough love for those guys. And you know what, in general, I have always defended Blue Origin a little bit. You know, they, they seem to be working on some really big stuff behind the scenes. Um, I keep saying they're gonna just surprise us someday with maybe the, the new Glenn is gonna be like the most amazing rocket ever. Um, but since I'm sharing my opinion right now, um, my opinion is changing on that a little bit. So yeah, hey, Blue Origin, guys, how you doing? So um, I'm not trying to take away from your big milestone launch, which was awesome, and I'm really happy for you guys, but um, you've been doing this for 21 years now, and you have not put a single thing into orbit yet. Now you talk about wanting to move heavy industry into space, you talk about uh, Project Kuiper, which is gonna be a competitor to SpaceX, Starlink and everything, but I mean, you still haven't even been to orbit yet. Like, it's kind of been interesting to actually watch this over the last few years because Blue Origin and SpaceX, they have just completely different business philosophies. You know, SpaceX is very transparent and open. Um, they, they move fast, they break things, fail often, iterate and improve like that. Whereas Blue Origin, their motto is gratitude ferociter, which means step by step ferociously. So it's, you know, take it piece by piece, one step at a time, get it right, be tenacious. And yeah, I've been saying this whole time that maybe Blue Origin has a shot here. They've got vast sums of money supporting them. They've got a great pool of talent. The pieces are good, the BE-3 and BE-4 engines and all that. Like I said, maybe the new Glenn will come out and it'll be just like the most amazing rocket ever. In the meantime, you take those pieces that you're working on that are, that are really good, you get government contracts, you get ingrained in the system, get a foothold there. You know, so you get on board with the national team to pitch your concept for the lunar lander design. And then NASA, goes with SpaceX. Maybe because they now have a track record of putting people safely into space and building space habitats? And came in way under your budget? Maybe. And then you sue NASA because you don't like their decision because that'll make them want to work with you more. And, and now some other companies are hot on your heels. I mean, Virgin has gotten to orbit with Virgin Orbit. Rocket Lab is launching regularly and they're working on a bigger rocket. Astra and Firefly are getting really close to getting up there. Relativity is probably gonna be in space in another six months or so. And yeah, none of those are anywhere near the size of New Glenn, but Starship is. And we're all seeing how fast that's coming along. And look, I'm not cheering for Blue Origin to fail. I want them to succeed, and maybe they still will. They have like the most vast financial runway any company's ever had. They have this massive complex right next to Kennedy Space Center. They may still surprise us. And I've actually had some Blue Origin employees reach out to me and like email me and, and just talk about how excited they are about what's going on at Blue Origin. Like they may have some really cool stuff going on behind the scenes, I don't know. But if you wanna be a space company, you have to eventually put something into space and a lot of other companies are getting there and Blue Origin is falling behind right now. Just my two cents. And so another argument that I keep hearing a lot is that, you know, yeah, they're now launching people into space, but it's only rich people because only rich people can afford it. 
And I'm over here like, well, yeah. At first, yeah. I mean, that's true of everything at first. Cars were originally just toys for rich people. Uh, plane tickets were prohibitively expensive in the early days. And I mean, I'm old enough to remember a time when having a cell phone meant that you were a rich douchebag. All three of these things started out as toys for rich people. And all three of these things have completely changed the world. And that's why these flights are important. It's not because of the billionaires that are on there. It's because these are the tiny baby steps to making space travel a regular thing. You know, first we dip our toes above the Kármán line into space, then we have civilians on orbital flights, which we just saw. Next thing you know, there's space hotels, space factories. Who knows where things go from there? But yeah, at first it's probably just going to be rich people. And hopefully they'll follow Jared Isaacson's example and use it as a way to raise money for worthy causes. But even if they don't, it's, it's still money going towards space exploration, which is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. By the way, another little pet peeve of mine, and I've talked about this before, is that whenever people talk about the cost of space travel, they, they say it as if they're just shoving a big pile of money into a rocket fairing and launching it into space. But that's, that's not what's going on here. That's being spent into the economy. That's going to people. Each of these companies employ hundreds of people, everything from engineers to accountants, maintenance people, janitors, construction workers, you name it. And each of those companies are supporting dozens of vendor companies and all of their employees as well. Now, I suppose there's a debate over whether or not that money would be better spent by going to a charity or something like that, but it's just the, the framing that this is just money being thrown up into space is false. This is actually going to support thousands of families. Now, another argument that I've heard is that it's crazy for these billionaires to spend money on space when there's so many problems down here on the ground like climate change. Some are even making the argument that these billionaires are now trying to leave Earth now that they've ruined it, and let's just... <laughs> Let's just get something straight here. They are not leaving Earth. Branson and Bezos basically made out with the Carmen line. It's arguable that they even went into space. I mean, do you really think these guys are gonna give up their private islands and super yachts so that they can go live in a four meter wide pressurized tin can for the rest of their lives? It's going to be a very long time before living off of Earth is gonna be preferable to living on it. But I guess the argument is that they should be spending their wealth on doing things like fighting climate change, like supporting sustainable energy and that kind of thing, which I 100% agree with, but here's the deal. Um, Elon Musk has done a ton in that department and he gets hated on more than anybody. Actually, my favorite thing with Elon is that, um, you know, he talks about wanting to set up colonies on Mars and stuff like that. And so people are like, yeah, but the only people that can afford to go would be rich people. So somewhere in an interview, somewhere along the line, he said something like, well, maybe we, we could make it so that they could work for SpaceX. So then, you know, the more average person could go out there as well. And then everybody's like, that's indentured servitude. He wants to create slaves on Mars. And I'm just in here like, dude, what do you want? But you know, like I said before, I might be in a bubble here. Like my buddy Tim Dodd, I am team space. I think space exploration is an inherently good thing and I just can't imagine why somebody would be against it. I mean, the world we live in right now and the technologies that we take for granted would simply not exist had we never gone into space. I mean, when was the last time you got lost? We all now have navigation systems in our cars and in our cell phones that we couldn't have ever even imagined before. Today, we just take it for granted. So much of our communication and internet infrastructure is possible because of satellites up in space. And I see people complaining about space travel on their phones. <laughs> I actually did a video about the Bermuda Triangle a while back and I found it interesting that there really hasn't been any lost planes or ships in the Bermuda Triangle since around the 1990s because of GPS. GPS killed the Bermuda Triangle. And that doesn't even touch on the dozens upon dozens of spin-off technologies that have come from space travel. 
Um, it's, it's not just Velcro, it's water reclamation, it's wireless power tools, not to mention countless improvements in computers, navigation, communication technologies, materials manufacturing, the list goes on. As we've seen over the pandemic, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? New ideas, new technologies, innovations, they all come in the cauldron of difficult situations. And there are few situations more difficult than space travel. Like, okay, there have been people over the years who have talked about how um, war is actually necessary for the advancement of the human species, that the reason that we have advanced as far as we have is because of the technological innovations that came along with war. The idea being that war is hell, it's a desperate fight for survival, and that breeds ideas and innovation, and that over the long span of time, war has been sort of an incubator of technological advancement. And maybe even the reason that our species won out over other hominid species earlier in the day was because we are the violent ones. You know, we like to think of, of Neanderthals and Cro-Magnons as like savage cavemen, but, but maybe we were the ones that were violent and savage, and the reason we were able to innovate beyond them was because of that violent nature that we have. I'm not saying that's a settled theory or anything, it's just sort of an interesting point of debate. The point is though, like, assuming something like that might be true, I see space travel as sort of a proxy for war. It's a place that wants to kill you in a million different ways. It's the most inhospitable environment possible for our furry little meat bags. And just like war, that breeds innovation. It's, it's a way to push our species forward without having to, you know, murder millions of people. And I like that. I mean, thank God that during the Cold War when the US and the Soviet Union had this whole mutually assured destruction thing that they chose to instead go into a pissing contest over the moon. And yet today the new space race is being called a pissing contest between billionaires and I'm kind of fine with that because you know what? Pissing contests work. When one group or agency runs everything, innovation stalls. That's, that's the cornerstone of capitalism. I mean, <laughs> capitalism has its problems, but it does have that going for it. And now we have multiple private companies getting involved. It's not just NASA anymore. And we're starting to see things like landing the first stages, bringing the cost of rockets down, that kind of thing. And yeah, you know, starting any company takes a lot of money, but starting a, a space company is insanely expensive. And it turns out the only people with that kind of money are billionaires, so here we are. And look, like I, like I said, I am not here to defend billionaires. There's a million problems with the kind of wealth inequality that we're seeing now and the wealth hoarding that the billionaire class is doing outside of these space industries. They are totally up for criticisms and the way that they do things. I'm just saying that if they're gonna be spending their money on something, space exploration, isn't the worst way to spend it. And one last thought, when I do ask people that have a problem with billionaires going to space and I say like, what would you prefer they do with their money? Um, it's usually some version of donate it to charity or give it back to the world in some way or another, um, some version of. And look, I, I don't disagree with that statement and I don't necessarily challenge the sincerity of people who say that, but the problem that I have is that none of those people are talking about Chuck Feeney. So Chuck Feeney founded Duty Free Shoppers in 1960 and became in incredibly wealthy at his peak. I think he had like $9 billion in net wealth. Um, and then in 1982, he founded the Atlantic Philanthropies with the, with the idea being, the goal being, that he's gonna give away his entire fortune before he dies. His, his entire goal was to die broke. And yeah, almost exactly one year ago in September of 2020, uh, he shut down the Atlantic Philanthropies because he had succeeded. Out of his $9 billion fortune, he gave away all of it except for like $2 million for he and his wife to retire off of. But yeah, this is the guy who did the thing. He gave away all of it. And you've heard so little about him that you don't even know that this isn't Chuck Feeney. This is Chuck Feeney. 
not only did he support big causes like healthcare and education, he, he donated to um, help end some different conflicts around the world, and he inspired other billionaires to create the Giving Pledge, which is the idea that they would give away at least half of their fortunes before they die. Some of the signatories of the Giving Pledge are people like Bill Gates, uh, Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, um, Mark Zuckerberg. I think there's 222 signatories at the time of this recording. And while Jeff Bezos has not signed on, his ex-wife Mackenzie Scott did, and she is pledging to give away most of the $57 billion that she got in the divorce. So there's that. Now, it needs to be said that the Giving Pledge is not without its criticisms. For one thing, there's no real mechanism to enforce it. Um, it is considered a tax dodge by most people. And um, it, some people claim that it's sort of a smokescreen to distract from the fact that we have a, an economic system set up that funnels money to the top to create these rich people in the first place. In other words, we shouldn't be relying on billionaires to save us. We do need some uh, regulation to fundamentally reform our system, which goes way beyond the scope of this video. But my point is, if we're gonna criticize billionaires for hoarding wealth, I think we should also celebrate those who give that wealth back. And Chuck Feeney is a guy who did that. So, to Chuck Feeney, good show, old chap. But to get back to the central question of this video, why go to space? Why is it important? And why do I think that even if it's only billionaires that can go right now, that it's still a good thing? Well, first of all, it's a growth industry. A lot of new jobs are being created around the space industry, and that's only going to get bigger over time. It drives innovation and better technologies that help us all out. Um, one thing I didn't even really talk about was the certain things you can't make down here on Earth you can make in the microgravity of space. Things like 3D printing human organs. So maybe someday you could have a human organ printed of your own tissue in space. I'll actually be covering that in my next video. <laughs> You know, like all new technologies, it's gonna get cheaper over time. We're only seeing the very beginning of where this can go. We have no idea how much this could change the world. But maybe the biggest reason is the most intangible one. And that kind of brings us back to last week's mission. Inspiration. So look, I know that the PR around these flights can be really over the top. And look, I roll my eyes around it too. And people go on about how like, we're changing the world and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But listen, I have had so many people reach out over the years that I've been doing this here on YouTube that have said that because of Rocket Lab, because of SpaceX, because of uh, the coverage that they get and that kind of thing, that it's inspired them to change careers or go back to school and learn about aerospace and that kind of thing. Or just that it's giving them hope in a time when it feels like there's just no hope out there. And honestly, I don't think that you can put a price tag on that. And if you could, I'm sure only billionaires could pay it. But anyway, that's my rant. That's my opinion. Um, I'm sure you guys have opinions of your own. Feel free to share it down in the opinion section, like I could stop you. But if you've been inspired to learn more about space, well, today's your lucky day, because today's sponsor is brilliant. You know, like I said, the aerospace industry is very multifaceted, and there's a lot of different ways to get in if you're interested. Say you want to learn about launches and orbital mechanics, the gravitational physics course might be a good place to start. Or maybe you're into materials manufacturing for spacecraft elements. The chemical reaction course can give you a better understanding of how material chemistries work. These systems rely heavily on computers, so maybe the computer science fundamentals course can get you started on that. And with all of these, you can level up to more advanced concepts after you've mastered the basics. And by the way, if you haven't checked on Brilliant lately, it's gotten a lot more interactive. So if you're one of those people like me that needs to visualize and play with something to understand it, Brilliant's got you covered. This just makes it easier to understand the core concepts and the fundamental courses, which sets you up for success in the more advanced courses later on. Next thing you know, you've got super villain knowledge, and that's when the real fun begins. Plus, they make it easy to make learning a habit, so you can do it on your mobile device and even offline, so whenever you're waiting for food or something, you can bang out a problem or two. 
But if you do sign up for the premium subscription that gives you access to all their courses and you're one of the first 200 people to do so, you can go to brilliant.org slash answers with Joe and get 20% off your subscription. It's just a great way to learn things. And like I said, they've been adding a lot of cool new stuff. So if you haven't checked it out in a while, I think you should probably go check it out. Anyway, again, it's brilliant.org slash answers with Joe. Links downstairs. Big thanks to Brilliant for supporting this video and a huge shout out to the Answer Files on Patreon and the members in the YouTube member community who are being just super awesome and supportive. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough. There are some new people that I want to shout out real quick. We got Daniel O'Brien, Gregory Bell, Mr. Misfit, J.W. Hibner, Bernice, Steve Sorensen, Kira S., T.F. Parnum, uh, Luis uh, Advincula, <laughs> African American Travelers, Sinval Fieres, Bobby L. Nelson, and Lilith Esme. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. If you would like to join them, uh, get early access to videos, get access to exclusive live streams and other cool stuff. Also, just get a little badge by your name to stand out in the comments. Uh, just click the little join button down below this video. Please do like and share this video if you liked it. And if this is your first time here, not all my videos are like this. I'm not usually so opinionated, but um, you might want to check this one out to get a better feel for what I do. You might check out any of these others down here that have my little face on the thumbnails. And, uh, and if you enjoy them, I do invite you to subscribe. Come back with videos every Monday. All right, that's it for now. You guys go out there, have an eye-opening rest of the week. Stay safe. I'll see you next Monday. Finger pointings. <laughs> Love you guys. Take care.